Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Hey, before we read, just a reminder that, that this, what we're about to read, actually happened. Uh, that we're not about to go into like fairy tale mode this morning, but this is historical eyewitness account mode. You know, occasionally scripture, we talk about this a lot, but occasionally scripture will have these little Easter eggs kind of sprinkled throughout that scream to the authenticity of these accounts. And this morning, though, we're not going to read all of this. Uh, We come to a stop in Jesus' journey in which uh, there are two of these little Easter eggs. Uh, One we've discussed before is really just the city of Jericho itself. You know, the city of Jericho was called the City of Roses, very beautiful city. Uh, it was also a city where the, the wealthy people who could afford it to, to, move, to go there and winter there, uh, that's where they went. That's where the snowbirds uh, went for the winter. Uh, furthermore, <laughs> during this time, there were, according to who you look at, over 15 different cities or kind of bedroom communities around Jerusalem that served as, uh, quote, priest cities, uh, meaning that when the priests weren't in Jerusalem serving at the temple, uh, that's, that's where they lived. They lived outside of Jerusalem. And so Jericho was one of those, those pre-cities. And allegedly, thousands of Jericho's citizens were priests. So a very religious place, right? Uh, which means if any of this that we're about to read didn't actually happen, there would have been truckloads of priests coming out of the woodwork saying, nope, that, that definitely did not happen in my town. It didn't happen. But no priest did. If anything, it was the other way around, right? Acts 6 tells us that many priests believed and followed Jesus. And then to top it all off here, while in Jericho, Josh has already preached this, but, but Luke mentions in our next passage about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus climbed up in this particular type of tree, right? The, Zacchaeus climbed up in the sycamore tree. We've sung this song countless times. But here's why that detail is pretty significant. So the going skeptical theory outside of the conservative world, the going skeptical theory is that the Bible was written hundreds of years after the time of Jesus, and it was written by people who didn't even live in the region where Jesus was. And yet, you have this very specific detail like this tree, a tree, by the way, that did not grow in the regions where people say, skeptics say the Bible was written. They probably would have not even had any knowledge of this particular species because, you know, we have sycamore trees in America, right? And I don't know if you've ever tried to climb up in one to get a view. Like, unless you're Spider-Man, you're probably not getting up that thing. It's huge, huge trees, right? But there's a very particular species of sycamore that is more akin to our live oak. You know, they kind of lower, kind of sprawling branches that you can crawl up in and get a view. And in the Middle East, there's a very small region of the world that had natural pollinators for this particular species of sycamore tree. And you want to take any guess where that small region might be? Jericho. That's Jericho. Okay. Um, Which means uh, this was written by someone who had very intimate knowledge of Jericho. Um, Someone like a witness, eyewitness testimony. Then the second Easter egg actually happens in Mark's recording of this event. In all of Mark's Gospels, there is only one miracle in which Mark names the person who was healed. 
Uh, Mark calls him Bartimaeus, right, son of Timaeus. Why? Uh, Well, scholars argue that Bartimaeus and potentially even his dad became stalwart members of the Jerusalem church. Uh, They were well known in the early church, which means Mark is in effect saying, hey, look, if if you don't believe me, that's fine, but if you don't believe me, just go to the Jerusalem church, ask for Bartimaeus, and listen to him tell you how he was once blind, uh, but now he sees. So this is true. And what's more is this passage wants us to know that there is more than one type of blindness uh, in life which Jesus can heal. And so with that, let's dive in then uh, to the true inspired word of God. Here we go, Luke 18. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets, uh, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But the disciples understood none of these sayings. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd go by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when Bartimaeus came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is God's word. All right, so when it comes to conversion, right, when it comes to being like made new and this whole thing that like Christians talk about, being born again, Luke lays out conversion 101. If you've ever wondered, what what is this? Conversion 101, we just need to see three things. First, awareness of our need. Awareness of our need. More than likely, we we all know people who are unaware, right? Um, And if if you don't know someone who's unaware, then there's chances are that you are that person who is unaware, right? There's socially unaware, emotionally unaware, but then there's spiritually unaware, that's a whole other thing, right? That, that is danger Will Robinson, to be spiritually unaware. Helen Keller was once asked, can you imagine asking this to Helen Keller? Was once asked, isn't it terrible to be blind? And she responded with this piercing, piercing comment. Helen Keller responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. In other words, there are things that are far more terrible than being you know, physically blind. Uh, what about being spiritually blind, not knowing it? You know, Luke records these two events uh, back to back to make us ask, okay, like, who is it that's blind here? <laughs> you know, they're the disciples, they're following Jesus. There's still some things that they're, they're missing, right? This is the third time Jesus has said, hey guys, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be crucified. And and the disciples couldn't comprehend that possibility because to them, the Messiah, (laughs) Messiahs don't suffer. 
And they sure as heck don't die, right? No, no, to them, Messiah's kicked tail, right? Messiah's, they, they come and, and they made Israel great again. And even better, of, of, all, of, of, of all of them, they would receive new positions in this new uh, cabinet, the new regime. But they didn't see that Jesus was on a mission far, far greater than uh, political change, far greater than giving them a better life on this earth. Uh, Jesus was on a mission, right, a rescue mission to restore God's sinful people back to himself. So ever since the fall, our greatest need right, is to be reconciled back to our maker, uh, but they didn't see that. It wouldn't be until later that you know, they could see the full extent of Jesus' ministry and mission. Well, their spiritual blindness is really highlighted by the, uh, the spiritual sight of this Bartimaeus, right? Talk about awareness of need. I mean, every day Bartimaeus was told how needy he was. I mean, he knew it. That he was the poster child of need. It was his life. And so every morning he'd wake up, same thing. He'd blindly stumble to the city gate where he sat and he begged. And every day, like every day, he lived completely off the charity of others. And if, if others didn't help him, he didn't make it. And look, in, in our, our self-sufficient world, um, I, I know this isn't very hip to say, okay? But the grim reality is, is if we aren't in Jesus then our soul is more needy than this blind beggar. Okay? Like, I don't know how else to say it um, other than if spiritually you don't see yourself as Bartimaeus, completely in need of Jesus' charity, then you do not have an accurate understanding of, how, of your condition before God. You're just not seeing it. And I don't want to belabor this point, but we can't underestimate the doozy the fall did on all of us, right? I mean, no matter how much your grandmother tells you, you have such a good heart. You're such a good-hearted person. I mean, don't read the Bible because the Bible's going to tell you something different, right? You look at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says that the human heart is deceitful above all else. Well, grandmother didn't say that. You know, humans have always, all of us, like we've had this propensity to either diminish that reality or to medicate, to kind of numb our need. So much so that the author of Hebrews said, hey, believers, church, come here. It's super important that you, that, that, that we continually remind each other of the gospel. Why? So that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay? Well, what's that mean? Well, you would think... I used to think this. You would think that every time we sin, we would be more aware of sin, right? That the more we sin, the more we see sin. But turns out that's not how sin works. Um, turns out the more we sin, the more it sears our conscience. Like, like the more we sin, the more it makes us blind and less capable of not only realizing what sin is, but less capable of realizing that I am a sinner. And so when, like last week's sermon where Josh taught about how Jesus preached the law to the rich young ruler and how God's law absolutely crushes us, uh, you know, it, don't be like the rich young ruler. And when that happens, don't walk away sad saying, man, God is so mean. Jesus is so mean. No, but see that crushing conviction for what it truly is, okay? So when you're convicted of your sin, yes, it is painful, 
But you know what? Feeling pain means you're alive, right? In fact, that may be the most spiritually alive you've ever been when you've been just utterly crushed. You know, that conviction is spirit-wrought, right? And so see that when, when you get that, that conviction, that weight, like see that as God's grace shining light into the darkness of your heart and calling you, reminding you of the only one who, who can give you forgiveness of that. So Westminster, it's that gracious awareness of our need that actually compels our cry for mercy, right? Which is our second point. So awareness of need and then cry of mercy. Now Bartimaeus, look, obviously he's blind, couldn't see what was going on, but he could hear there's a lot going on. And so he asked somebody, hey, who, who, what's happening? And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth is, is walking by. And at that, by, by faith, Bartimaeus called Jesus something no one else did. That's why we, we sang that this morning, right? Our music team. Verse 38, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That son of David is a messianic title, right? That's a confession that Jesus, you are so much more than a teacher. Jesus, you are more than a miracle worker. Like, you are the hero. And, and, and you know, what possibly may have been in his mind is how Isaiah 35 describes this hero who is to come. This is what he says. He says, he will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Like so aware of, of his need was he, that he couldn't stop crying out, right? Like people around him were like, look, man, Bartimaeus, be quiet, you're embarrassing us, come on, man. But Jesus, I mean, but Bartimaeus kept going. It says Jesus said back in chapter 16 that the good news is being, is being preached. And, and people are, are forcing their way into it. They just, they can't, it's irresistible, right? So Bartimaeus didn't say, Look, okay, I guess I'll catch Jesus the next time he's in town, right? Next time Morgan Wallen comes to Oxford, we'll try to get up there. Right? Um, he's not saying, look, I, I guess I'll just circle back after college, or I kind of don't want to leave my blind buddies right now. No, you know, this was Jesus' only time in Jericho. And so when God calls his people to himself, when, when you hear that call, something's going on in your soul, look, it's time to go, okay? And what's awesome is Jesus heard his cry. We've talked about this before, you know, Morgan, uh, Morgan Freeman tells us that out of thousands of baby penguins, right, baby penguins, out of thousands of them, that the mama penguin can hear the, the one singular distinct cry of, of their baby. And in a sea of just baby penguins down in the Antarctic, right, uh, that the mama, the mama can just make a beeline to their baby. Okay. Well, a mama penguin doesn't have anything on Jesus. Like Jesus hears the cry of his people above all else. Okay? But that's not all. He also stopped and he called Bartimaeus to himself. And just what, what a quick picture of the very heart of our Savior. Now, Jesus, he's just talking about, he, he's about to die. He's talking about his death. Before him lies like the very wrath of God poured out on him for our sins on the cross. And he is every, if you're, that's me, I can't, I'm not thinking about this blind guy. Like, Jesus has every right to say, you know, I'm a little preoccupied. But no, even under immense pressure, Jesus' heart of mercy is on full display. I mean, you prick Jesus and, and mercy comes out, 
right? So he stops to call and heal one of his own, and he did. Uh, y'all may remember the story. It was in an article about Anna Mae uh, Penica, who at the time when the article was written, she was a 62-year-old woman who had been born blind and never seen. And, and, and some surgeons performed surgery, and they removed these very rare congenital cataracts in her eyes. And for the first time, she could see. And so people were super interested to see what was her impression of the world. And she said that it was so much bigger and so much brighter than she ever imagined. All right, well, think of Bartimaeus. One scholar said, blind at the beginning of Christ's sentence, and he was seeing at the end of it. No surgery, no bandages, no adjustments, just boom, right, sight. He was able to see the people around him. He could see the beautiful city of roses. He could maybe even see a sycamore tree, right? But the very first thing he saw was the face of Jesus, his Savior. Y'all, when we cry out to Jesus for mercy, he responds to our cry. In fact, it's the Spirit that draws us to that that cry, right? And he brings healing, and he brings spiritual sight. And it's so much more than like, well, I hope he does. No, y'all, this is a certainty. He he does. Um, In him... Even when our world is crumbling, and it's been the worst day, or it's been like the worst year of your life, the worst decade of your life, even in the middle of tragedy and hurt, we can still know that Jesus is enough, that God is good and he will take care of us, he will satisfy us. And this thing happens in our soul where we start saying with the saints who have gone before us, we join them in saying, whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, there's nothing I desire besides you, God. And my health, and my career, and my children, and my Bitcoin, and my Auburn Tigers will fail 100%, right? But God, you are the strength of my heart, and you are my portion forever. And friends, having received mercy, something transformative happens in, in our lives, right? Um. We then respond to the grace that takes us all the way home, which is, is how we'll close. I hope, man, I hope I'm just not, you know, we're just not going through the motion with this. But like this is truly transformative things that happen in, in God's people's lives. One pastor said some people view Jesus as if like he's someone who's coming over to work on your air conditioner at your house. And like you're glad he's there because he's going to make your life a little more comfortable. But as long as he's kind of like up in the attic, kind of working on your unit, you're fine. Just, just like make me comfortable, Jesus. Just don't like mess up what I've got going on here. Okay. Other people uh, receive Jesus as your ticket out of hell, right? And you take that ticket, you put it in your back pocket. And to be honest, it kind of hurts your rear end when you sit down, right? Um, neither of those is receiving Jesus. Neither of those is conversion, right? Y'all, Jesus is the Christ. He is the hero, the wrath remover, the, the sin forgiver, the righteousness provider, soul satisfier. And the only true response to being saved by that, by him, is that of Bartimaeus. How, how did Luke record it? He said immediately he recovered his sight 
And what did he do? He followed Jesus, glorifying God. Y'all, the saved life is a call to a life of following and worshiping our Savior, right? You know, we mentioned Bartimaeus' name, right, was no doubt there because he was, he was an, an active member of the Jerusalem church. And so with his brand new eyes, that means he witnessed the triumphal entry. He watched the horror of the cross, but he also saw the joy of the resurrection. If you've been saved, then you have been made new. Friends, follow Jesus in the newness of life. Okay? And if, you, if you're not in Christ... Like, if this whole like, worship thing is the most boring thing you have to endure every week, may you hear the call this morning. Like, truly, like, I truly, I've been praying all week that, that the scales would come off your eyes and that you would see like we have a reason to sing. And there's a reason why we come together, and this is like good to worship. Through the gospel, Jesus says, I can satisfy you. I can forgive you. I can make even you new. So listen, please don't wait. If the Spirit is wooing you, come now. Well, again, I want to give us the opportunity to do so. So if we're going to have a time of just quiet personal prayer here just for a second before we go to the table. If God has made you aware of your sin, made you aware of your need and your shame, then praise God. That is his grace to you. Come to Jesus for mercy. He invites you. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you, through the gospel, would bring many sons and daughters home. Uh, Lord, uh, those of us who are blind as a bat spiritually uh, would receive spiritual sight and see you to be beautiful. Um, Lord, we ask that uh, you would continue keeping us and building us up. And Lord, now as we continue to worship and we, we turn our attention uh, to just the visible word and to the sacrament. We ask that you would take these common elements and that you would set them apart to be a means of grace to your people. Uh, Lord, remind us of the gospel as we partake, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.